Amen. Merry Christmas. Strange Christmas, right? But a Merry Christmas. So much to be joyful for because of the good news that Jesus came to save us. My name is Josiah Stumbo. I'm the pastor of Young Adults Ministry here at Grace. I have the privilege of bringing the word this morning. The more that you know somebody, the better you can love them. Uh, My wife and I, Sarah, we uh, go on dates Not enough, but um, when we do get to go on dates, we always try to ask this question, tell me something about yourself that I don't know yet. And after 15 years of knowing each other and 10 years of marriage, it gets a little bit tricky, but we can always think of some obscure fact from our life that the other person didn't know. uh, And it always helps us get to know each other a little bit better. It always leads to good conversation. And when we know each other better, our love can continue to grow. I think every good relationship depends on getting to know each other better. It should never feel done, right? Well, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about theology. Theology is just the study of God, literally two Greek words that make up God and the study of theology. I think another way to say that is getting to know God better. And the more that we get to know God, the better we can love him. And that's the purpose of life, isn't it? To love God and to love others. So um, there's a couple of theological concepts that we're going to go through this morning. If you know them already, don't tune out, because every truth about God is something that we could meditate on our whole lives, and actually we'll meditate on it and celebrate who God is for all of eternity. So even if it's not brand new to you, I hope that you think about these truths this morning in a worshipful way, in a way that helps you lift up your eyes to the Lord and thank Him for who He is. And if it's stuff that you don't know about God yet, I'm excited to present to you maybe a little piece of the puzzle or a couple pieces of the puzzle, hopefully, um, in the big picture of who our God is that we worship. The theological concepts that we're going to talk about today in our Getting to Know God Better sermon um, are, they have to do with Christmas. And I think they could be summed up in these three words, God enters in. God enters in. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 13, to get a better look at what I'm talking about. These are some beautiful verses. We're going to read them all the way through twice today, because they're just so worthy of reading out loud. This was an old hymn, or maybe a poem. Either way, it was something that the early church would recite over and over together. And so it's great for us to together uh, hear this out loud a couple times. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 13. It says, he, and it's referring to Jesus. So Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul talks directly to his friends that he's writing to in Philippians and says, therefore, my dear friends, 
as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So the first concept in our study of God that I want to go over this morning is called the pre-existence of Christ. And it comes from the first couple lines of these verses that we just read, where it said, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but he poured himself out and became human. What this means is that Jesus actually existed far before he ever was conceived in the Virgin Mary, before he ever was born in the manger, Jesus existed with God and as God. In the book of John, we see that it was um, Jesus who actually helped create the world. Everything that was created was created through Jesus. God has always existed in Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and therefore Jesus has always existed. That's something that you and I can't say. We did not pre-exist. Um, we, didn't, we didn't start out as spirits. We didn't start out as angels before we were born. We didn't reincarnate from anything else. The Christian teaching is that we have a finite starting point, that we started about nine months before we came into the earth. Our, at conception is when our existence began. Now, God thought of us. He knew us way before that. He planned our existence. He created us on purpose. But we didn't exist until our conception. But Jesus did. Jesus has always existed. My dad and I have been talking about this concept over the last couple weeks, and he brought up this verse that I had never noticed before. In John chapter 18, verse 37, um, it's not where you would go in a theology book for a, a message on um, Jesus becoming a man, but it's super interesting. It's when Jesus is in front of Pilate being questioned, and the answer Jesus gives to Pilate is so interesting. He says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Now, all of us in the room and all of us online can say, I was born, right? <laughs> but none of us can say, I came into the world on purpose, right? None of us chose to come into the world. None of us can say, I came into the world from another place. I hope not. We already have a pandemic on our hand. We don't need any alien invasions, right? Sorry, I've been watching too many Marvel movies. But no, Jesus is the only one who can say, I was born and I decided to come into the world. So the significance of this pre-existence of Jesus that I want to highlight, there's a lot of significance to that. But what I want to highlight this morning is that Jesus, because he pre-existed as God, made a conscious decision to enter into our earth. He made a conscious choice to become human. He could have chosen to remain above and higher than it all, outside of our world, watching us need a savior, but, and, and just remain there. But he, instead, he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus entered in. God enters in. Entering in is a beautiful thing. I've been a, uh, before becoming a young adults pastor this year, I was a youth pastor for seven years. And that means I got to play a lot of dodgeball with teenagers. 
Um, and so one of the best things about playing dodgeball with teenagers was actually watching the adult volunteers, these 40, 50, even 60-year-old volunteers who show up to youth group every week to pour out love in kids and watch them grow. And these youth leaders will grab a dodgeball right with them, even though they're, they're soft in your hand, but they're not so soft flying at your face. Uh, but these uh, adult leaders will enter in with enthusiasm, fire in their eyes, the wisdom of experience, making them actually pretty good at it, and willing to fully enter in. And there's something so beautiful about the humility of fully entering into something that maybe wasn't made for you, maybe it's a little below you or something, but fully entering in for the sake of somebody else that can just bring so much joy to the people that you're entering in with. I think that's what we love so much about the Scrooge story too, right? This guy who was too good to celebrate Christmas. He was too stingy and too practical to spend any time or money celebrating Christmas until he was humbled. And then when he was humbled and transformed, he fully entered in with so much enthusiasm. Remember, he bought the biggest turkey in town. He shouted at the top of his lungs, Merry Christmas. He gave money to the poor and a whole lifetime's worth of enthusiasm poured out through him as he fully entered in to the Christmas celebration. Something beautiful about entering into something with all your heart, especially when you once were perceived as higher and above it. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did, minus the being grumpy part. Jesus didn't have to have any kind of transformation like Scrooge, but he could have been perceived as higher and outside and above becoming human and entering into the world. And so when Jesus did enter in, he entered in with all of his heart. He fully lived his human life. He didn't stand on the sidelines with his arms crossed. He didn't give himself a whole bunch of comforts and make himself a rich man on a hill. He entered a manger and he ended his life on a cross and in between he fully lived his life. He didn't shield himself from any of the pain. He entered into the human experience with enthusiasm. He ate and he fasted, he laughed and he cried he learned and he taught, he mourned and he celebrated, he wept and he leapt for joy. He comforted and confronted, he prayed and he worshiped, he walked, he rode on a donkey, he sailed on boats, he um, loved friends, he loved family, and he even loved his enemies. He submitted to authorities and challenged injustices. He caught food, ate food, blessed food, and multiplied food. He baptized in the water, he drank water, he transformed water, he calmed water, and he walked on the water. He made friends with old men, old women, young men, young women, and curious children. He walked in the dirt, slept in the dirt, drew in the dirt, spit in the dirt to heal with the dirt. Jesus fully lived his life on earth. Even all sorts of adventures where he narrowly escaped death several times. And then finally, sacrificially, he took up our pain and bore our shame and died an excruciating criminal's death on the cross. He descended into hell and then rose from the grave victorious, starting this whole new phase in cosmic history in the process. Jesus fully entered in. 
And when he chose to enter our world, he revealed something about God's nature, because that's actually part of what Jesus does, is Jesus reveals to us in a way that we can understand who God is. And so when Jesus entered into our world and entered into a human body, he revealed something to us about Jesus, I mean, about God himself, and he revealed that God, by nature, enters in. He's willing to identify with our humanity and all of its weakness and all of its pain, even in all the temptations. Thank God he never gave in to any of them, but he, can, he experienced them in order to save us. The preexistent Jesus enters in. It's worth it to just stop and worship him for that. Thank you, Jesus, so much for entering in, for being a God who enters into our world, who did not consider equality with God something to be hung on to, but you poured yourself out for our good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Strangely, throughout history, People have resisted believing this about God. Actually, you could probably look back at your own history where there was a time where you resisted believing this about God. The Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day, it made them so angry that he was claiming to be a man who was also God that that's what they, wanted, that's what they killed him for. One of those times where Jesus narrowly escaped death, he has an interesting exchange with those who were trying to kill him in John 10, 31 through 33, and it says this. They picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. At first glance, it could seem kind of honoring or protective of God, right? To say, not here, God, you're too good for this. Not here, God, you are holy and this is a mess. Not here, God, it's embarrassing what people do to each other down here. Don't come here, God, not here. It's broken, it's painful, it's uncomfortable sometimes. Not here, God. And they thought that about Jesus' birth too. Not here, not a manger. Don't be born to this unwed couple. Don't be raised in Nazareth, Jesus. Not here. But it's the nature of God to enter in. And so it's our job as worshipers to allow God to be God, even if that means he's way more humble and wants to be way closer to us than we ever would have imagined. Our responsibility is to say, okay, that's who you are, I believe you. I can see evidence of that goodness all around me, I believe you. And to believe him and to receive him. It's actually really important that that's our response. In John chapter one, verses 11 and 12, it talks about, right after talking about Jesus putting on flesh and entering the world, it talks about those who received him and those who didn't. And here's what it says. He came into that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of God. We know from John 3, 16, that it was love that motivated Jesus to come from heaven to earth so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that's the step that you need to take today. 
to stop resisting this beautiful truth and just to say, okay, God, I'll let you be God, even if that means you're so humble that you would come into the earth, that you're so humble that you would take on a human body and you would suffer and you would die for my sins, I'll receive it because that's who you are. I believe you. And notice it says that all who received him and all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Eternity is at stake here. It's so beautiful. It's the most profound mystery in all the world that God would offer a gift, such, a, such an enormous gift of eternal life, beginning now and going all through eternity with Jesus. But then we just simply have to receive it. It's one of the most simple things that you can do is just to respond and say, okay, be my savior. <laughs> if that's what you wanted to do, if that's what you came down to do, I believe in you. And then you turn from your sins. You say, I'm sorry that I've been trying to do it all my own way and it's clearly not working, so I'm gonna make you the Lord of my life. And if you say with sincerity, Jesus, I believe you. I'm turning from the way I've been trying to do things and now I'm gonna follow you. As simple as that, you're saved. He saves you. He gives you the right to be called a child of God for all of eternity. If that's something that you are in your heart responding to right now and saying, yeah, that's what I want to do. Somebody just, nobody ever made it that clear to me before. Or I've been wrestling with this decision for a long time and now I'm ready. Don't hesitate. Just give your life to Jesus. Allow him to be so good that he would save you and allow him to be the Lord of your life. If you do end up making that commitment, saying a prayer similar to what I just said, would you please let somebody know? At Grace, we would love to know if you made that decision, maybe at Christmas Eve service, maybe here, um, because we wanna walk with you. We wanna, um, it's a huge step in your life, and we wanna make sure that you, we um, together are, live, are walking this road together to make Jesus Lord of our lives. And so if you made that decision, you could put that in the chat. There's a button online that um, you can push. I think there's even some more information there that somebody's putting in the chat, maybe as we speak, about um, what this all means to accept Jesus as your Savior. Um, maybe if you go to a class, you could let the leader of that class know that you made that decision here at Grace. But we would just love to know. Receive this promise from God. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? We could definitely stop there because that's the best news in the world. But I want to keep going a little bit because there's a little bit more about Jesus entering in that I want to make sure that we all understand. Because the more we know God, the more we can love him. So let's go back to our verses in Philippians 2. This is where we get to read it a second time. And see this next little bit of theological truth that I want to make sure we all grasp. It says, who, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ 
is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What I wanted you to grasp was actually at the very end of all that, where it says, therefore, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What he's saying is, therefore, in light of Jesus entering human form, in light of Jesus being exalted to the highest place where every knee is gonna bow before him and declare that he is rightfully Lord, in light of this profound truth, be serious about your commitment to make Jesus Lord. Live out that commitment with some reverence, with some fear and some trembling, it says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That yes, you said to Jesus, that yes, you said to making him the leader of your life, make that priority and be serious about it. But then, did you notice who actually does the work of the follow through of that commitment that does all the transforming in our lives to actually fulfill God's good purpose? It's God. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Remember when I said that it's God's nature to enter in? Well, not only does he show that in entering human skin and entering into our earth, he also shows that by entering in here. He actually wants to enter into our life. Paul's specific and says our bodies. He wants to enter into here and transform us and give us the power to live the life that we're committing to live, that we're saying yes to. He comes in and does all the work. Since everything that we know about God we should learn from the Bible, I'll give you a couple verses of many that prove this concept that Jesus wants to live his life inside of us now. In John 14, um, it's the scene at the Last Supper. Um, Jesus, in the book of John, has a long dialogue with his disciples at the Last Supper. And one of the things he's trying to do is prepare them for when he dies and then he raises again and then he goes up into heaven. He wants them to be ready. Um, they weren't quite ready, but they could think back on his words and um, know what was going on. And here's what he says in John 14, verses 19 and 20. It says, before long... The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This was Jesus' plan. He knew this was going to happen. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to raise his life. He knew he was going to ascend to heaven. And then he knew he was going to send his Holy Spirit to come and indwell each of us. That means to live inside of each of us. That was the plan. He was getting his disciples ready. And then it happened. In Acts 2 at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, tongues of fire on their heads, and they were all transformed. All these people that were timid and ran away from Jesus at the crucifixion, their character was transformed. And they began to preach with boldness all the way to the point where they were persecuted and even died, a lot of them. They were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And you get the Apostle Paul in, a, in several books kind of explaining what happens when that happens. So in Galatians 2.20, I want to show you another verse. It says, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the part where if you're in your living room, sitting next to people, or even by yourself, I want you to break the silence and say it out loud with me, okay? Um, We're gonna say, Christ lives in me. So I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. One more time, Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the life of Christ inside of us that gives us the power to get any of it right. Here's the verse I mentioned about about Paul being super specific about where Jesus dwells. It's in our bodies. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 10 and 11, he says it twice just in case we don't believe him. (laughs) He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, I think that means being willing to be persecuted, but also being willing to surrender our will to God on a moment-by-moment basis. So we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. The life of Jesus in here. And then he says it again. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. It's God's intention to enter into your life and guide you. It's his nature to do so. And here's what happens when God enters in. When we allow the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, this is a continual decision here, a daily surrender. And when we daily surrender and allow God to continually fill us, here's what happens. He helps us to know the difference between right and wrong. Thank you, Lord, because that's kind of hard to figure out sometimes. But he comes and he shows us the difference between right and wrong. He helps us to pray according to his will. And those are the prayers that are powerful and effective. Those prayers that are prayed according to God's will from his spirit. He gives us power to overcome temptation. He actually comes in, when the Holy Spirit fills us, he comes in in such a way as to transform our character. You've heard of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Well, that Spirit is with a capital S. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of any of us trying harder to get any of it right. It's not the fruit of my good intentions to make Jesus Lord and then figure out how to do that from there. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me that gives me a love that I never had before. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me that wells up a joy from within, from the power of his spirit that wells up no matter what the circumstances are around me. There's this deeper joy that comes from him. It's a, he provides a peace that no matter what storms are raging around me, it doesn't matter because those peace doesn't come from that. The peace comes from his spirit. And he provides the ability to bring peace in other situations where there is no peace. He comes and transforms us and gives us a patience that we couldn't muster up on our own. When we interact with others and his his spirit fills us and we give him control, he gives us a kindness that we could not have generated on our own. He allows us to see other people through his eyes and, and treat them with kindness. He gives us an overall sense of goodness, what's right and wrong, but also just allows our life to exude his goodness. If we continually allow him 
to move in our lives and fill us up. He helps us be faithful. Follow through with our commitments. Keep our promises. When the Spirit fills us, he fills us with this gentleness that we can't come up with on our own. We're tough on the edges and we're grumpy, but he gives us this gentleness. And he gives us the ability to control ourselves, right? I went through the fruit of the Spirit. If you missed that, um, he gives us the fruit of his Spirit to transform our character so that we could live a way, in a way that we never could have done it on our own, but it's the life of God, the life of Jesus living inside of us. And finally, he empowers us to contribute to his kingdom by giving us spiritual gifts to share with the church, and together we can work on this project of bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. None of this is from us. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the Spirit of Christ, the Bible calls it several times, the life of Jesus living inside of us, entering in and transforming us to live the life that we committed to live, but we actually can't do it. He comes, enters in, and gives us the power. Unfortunately, some of the same aversions people have to God entering into the world, some of the same resistance that we've put up to God taking on flesh and entering our world, we also put up to him entering in here. We've all done it. We've all done it multiple times a day, I, I would believe. We say, not here, God. Like, I'm a mess. You wouldn't want to be here. You wouldn't want to read these thoughts. It's kind of embarrassing what I think about people and how I treat people. You're not here, God. <laughs> like, I want to protect you from seeing this, right? It's too intimate. It's too intimidating to let you get this close where I'm hiding things or where stuff is safe in the dark. Not here, God. Not here. But remember, it's God's nature to enter in and transform us no matter where we started from. Remember, this is the God who is willing to be born in a manger. He's also willing to enter your life. He's pursuing you. His goodness is running after you like we sang this morning. Will you let your guard down and let your God in? I think this is what he's saying to us now. It's from Revelation 3.20. I think it's for every individual. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. If you hear his voice and open the door, God enters in. And he enters in with enthusiasm. He's bringing a meal. Do you notice that? He said, I'm going to come in and eat with you and you with me. He's bringing fellowship. He wants to come in and not only clean you up and transform you, he wants to show you that he loves you. He wants to, all the love needs that have been, you've been craving your whole life, he wants to come into your deepest places of your life and show you that he loves you, show you that he made you with a purpose, show you that you're his masterpiece. And he wants to tell you up close. He wants to tell you from the inside and from that love, he will transform you and he will give you the power and he will give you everything you need for life and godliness when he comes in when we let him in we're about to start a brand new year and I cannot think of a better time than right now 
to say a brand new yes to Jesus. Instead of not here, God, let's trust him. That when we accepted him as our savior, he forgave all of our sins. The Bible says that he washed us clean and now we're a temple ready for the Holy Spirit to enter in. Let's trust him. That when we keep messing up and we keep making a mess in here and we're embarrassed of stuff, and when we say we're sorry, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Let's trust him that when he says he's there at the door knocking and once in, that he's ready to enter in enthusiastically to transform our lives. So instead of not hear God, may we say, Right here, God. Right here, Jesus. I'll receive it. I don't understand it. It's too good to be true. It feels like, but it's true. So I'll receive you right here. Holy Spirit, come. Fill my life. Come to those places in my life that are, I've been embarrassed about, but now I see that you'll receive me and forgive me. Come to those things that I need to hear your voice of love most desperately and fill me, Holy Spirit. Right here, God. Holy Spirit, I depend on you. I can't do anything on my own that's good. I can't do anything that would change my habits, that would change my character. All I can do is say yes, and so I say yes to you, Lord. I say yes to your lordship in my life, and I just want you to come right here and fill me. I trust you, Lord. You have shown that you are so much better than I could have imagined, and I'll receive that. Holy Spirit, come and fill me and change me. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen.